You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I don't watch horror movies because I'm a, I'm a sissy. <laughs> uh, if I am going to watch one, uh, all the lights have to be on. It has to be the middle of the day and the doors all have to be locked. <laughs> Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Cura. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, hook! And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm Travis Cura. He is Brazilian Tide. Man, I went to my first uh, corn maze on Friday. <laughs> what a mess. <laughs> did, did you get, please tell me you got lost. Well, I it, it worked a lot differently than I thought it did. I had never been to a corn maze, so it was sort of a game, and the object wasn't really to escape. It was to find, like, different clues inside the maze. But the thing is, it was called a full moon corn maze. So I waited till it was dark. And oh, you're a fool! Everybody left. Like we were the last person going, last people going into the maze. No, not a chance. I'd be there. By the time we decided to leave, <laughs> no one was there. <laughs> we took a wagon nope. to the maze from like the main entrance. The wagon was gone. The moon was full. <laughs> I don't know how I didn't get eaten by a werewolf. There's a horror movie written all over it. I know. It was Signs Part 2, man. No, no I'm out. I don't watch horror movies because I'm a, I'm a sissy. Uh, if I am going to watch one, uh, all the lights have to be on. It has to be the middle of the day and the doors all have to be locked. <laughs> Join two and out for CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em and show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Enough from talking about it. There has to be consequences. And pick'em.cfl.ca. It was a horror movie for the Ottawa Red Blacks who go into BC Place and get smashed 29-5. to 5. Things are not pretty for Ottawa. <laughs> Uh, and BC didn't give up a sack. Yeah, so that's for, for the first time this year. And I mean, we've been crapping on BC and and you know not being able to protect Mike Riley and they're not winning football games. Uh, turns out Ottawa was the tonic they needed. Well, <laughs> it was kind of ugly from right from the start. Here, yep. the, the Lions were sort of all over Jonathan Jennings and the Red Blacks who. At this point, they might be the weakest team in the league. I think that's fair. You know what would help them? Don't say it. Trevor Harris, quarterback. <laughs> yeah, that would probably help them a lot. But, I mean, they're short receivers. The defense mm -hmm. had kept them into a lot of games until this point. But I think they're just at the point where... They're carrying the team, and they're missing some key guys on defense with Antoine Pruneau uh, sitting mm -hmm. out, and that's a big loss for Ottawa. That's a huge loss. That's a big hole to fill, not only because, and we said it uh, last week on the preview show, he is 
you know, a, a bona fide starter in this league, and his passport makes it even more of a hole. Yeah. But then, but then you look at the offensive side of the ball. I mean, you're only giving the ball to Moses Madu eight times. Uh, you know, your leading receiver is Dominique Rhymes. Uh, Brad Sinopoli's out. Uh, Nate Bahar, 37 yard. Like there wasn't a lot of options for for their offense. Uh, not that Jennings had uh, the cleanest game either. I mean, yeah, 19 of 31. Not a very good completion percentage. Throws two picks, no touchdowns. Uh, he didn't really do much to help himself. Uh, in this one. It was big for the Lions having a running game. Brandon Rutley, 20 mm-hmm. carries, 111 yards. I love the way he runs. He He's not the biggest guy, but the way he runs, he runs like he's six foot five, two eighty. 280. Yeah, if you're a linebacker and he's coming at you, you know that he's not going to shy away from contact. Yeah. Uh, you you have to get low and, and wrap up and... and you know, take him down. You can't just do what Lacombo did last week, and you know, throw a shoulder into a guy. Yeah, uh, you you have you have to wrap up and take him down to the ground, and it might take more than one. I got to think that this game was probably won when Sergio Castillo came out wearing a luchador mask. You would think that. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, when you see that coming out of the tunnel. Oh, I'd be I'd be peeing my pants <laughs> in your head, like it, it, oh. it's completely over. <laughs> yeah, he's building an addition on onto the house that he's already built in your head <laughs> when he comes out like that. <laughs> Redoing the kitchen. <laughs> um, the the Lions actually, it was their first success in the first quarter in a long time when they uh, got off uh, really early with the touchdown to Lamar Durant. And then, Mm -hmm. if I remember correctly, I said on Monday's or Thursday's show that Deron Carter would get his first touchdown of the year. And yes, Mm -hmm. made a beautiful catch, a 28-yard touchdown to my boy, Deron Carter. And I believe I texted you and said, I hate you. Yes. Well, a lot more colorfully than that. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's a family show. You know what? It looked like Riley was looking for him in the end zone. He had four targets, and three of them were in the end zone. And if they connected Mm -hmm. on, you know, one or two more of those, he would have had a massive game fantasy-wise. An absolute monster game. But that that one touchdown he did catch, he caught it knowing he was going to get hit. And we haven't seen that from Deron Carter uh, this year. Uh, you know, he went up, got the ball, and knew the defender was coming and, and, you know, took a hit to make the play, put points on the board, and BC just never looked back. Sometimes it just kind of takes a, a belief uh, to get things rolling there. What What's going to happen with the Lions here? Is this just sort of uh, their opponent? Or is there going to be any sort of momentum to close out the season? Do you really think? I know I said that you know BC would you know this gives them a chance to stay relevant. I don't I don't think it I don't think it really does. I was saying that in jest, of course, but I, they have to win out to even have a shot. Yeah. Um, and I don't I don't think they can do that. But I, I think this. I don't know if momentum is the right word, but I think confidence uh, that you know they put up twenty nine points. The defense played really well granted Jonathan Jennings isn't what he was 
They put up 29 points. They win the football game. Uh, you know, Mike Riley gets close to 300 yards. Sure, he has the two picks, but there's maybe a belief now that they can start to win football games, and and that that could be huge. Might, they're probably not going to win out. I don't think they will, uh, but they could. They, they could seriously, or not not seriously contend. I guess is not the word I'm looking for, but they could be relevant for the rest of the year and be, play spoiler uh, for a lot of those teams in the West who uh, might look past them. Uh, in the weeks to come. Well, the next four games for BC is Ottawa. I think this will say a lot. If they can travel to Ottawa and beat them again, uh, mm-hmm. that'd be really interesting. And then Montreal, they they I, a lot of people are sort of hesitant to call them the real deal, but they they are a tough team. But on the road in Vancouver, that that is always tough. That anything can happen there. And then Toronto's in BC, and then they go to Edmonton. So <laughs> they could win three out of the next four. I, I don't think that's too crazy to say. No, I, I don't think that's too crazy to say at all. Uh, and, you know, they win three out of four, get six points out of eight. Uh, and maybe if they can win that game against the Eskimos, and, you know, that, that becomes a four-point game there. So I, I think their season's over, but there's still a lot to play for, whether it be pride or playing oh, for yeah. spots. And I don't think I don't think they're giving up. Um, but I mean, this 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 win gives I think would give them a little bit of confidence in that room. And they want to sell that team. Randy Ambrosi was in Vancouver mm-hmm. on Friday, and apparently talking you know about to about five groups that are interested in purchasing this team. Having an owner visible and with a vision to move this franchise forward, I think would be huge in Vancouver. And hopefully get that momentum back heading into 2020 because they had a lot of it going into this year and then the mm-hmm. wins just piled up. The season got away from them. Now it's almost like starting at scratch all over again. Yeah, and, and Ambrosi was on the radio in Calgary at halftime of the the uh, Stampeders Ticats game. And he, he sounded optimistic about the, the prospects in BC for, for, for the sale. And like I said, like starting from scratch, they have this huge offseason. They bring in Mike Riley, uh, you know, all stars on the offensive line. We think it's going to work out, and it just nothing gelled. Uh, and you know, a win with a rouge over Toronto, you almost look at that. Yeah, it's a win, but it's not a very it, it's not very convincing. They win twenty nine to five. Or, yeah, twenty nine to five here against Ottawa, and you know, trying to build momentum for that fan base because it it just never got off the ground. Now, speaking of Ottawa, obviously, I think this is going to be a really crucial offseason for Marcel Desjardins and mm-hmm. and Rick Campbell because fans were really upset after this past offseason. If they do nothing again, they, they don't make an impact in free agency, they don't make a trade, I can't see them lasting until Labor Day next year. I, I I I think I would blame the general manager more than the head coach in this situation. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I obviously we don't know who they're going to bring in. This season has been sort of an audition for a lot of backup quarterbacks in the league, so yep. <laughs> maybe Ottawa's having a look at some of these guys. Well, well let's be honest. The most important player on this team right now is Lewis Ward. Yeah, he's he's like their biggest star. I don't know if that's <laughs> they don't have a start. They don't have a number one quarterback. 
They don't have a number one receiver. They don't have a number one running back. It, <laughs> the the mass exodus of players this offseason and nothing was done to augment that, uh, figuring that Dominic Davis was just going to take over the reins, didn't work out. They brought in John Jennings. We kind of figured it would be a, somewhat of a competition. And at some point he would get a start. And it just turned – neither guy is taking the job. It, it, it doesn't help they don't have the weapons. I mean, Brad Stompley is not a number one. I'm sorry, but he's not. He's a second down – Possession guy. Moses Madu, 28 yards on 8 carries, not going to get the job done. There is a lot to address on the offensive side of the ball before they can start moving forward and winning football games. Ottawa's remaining games, BC, Edmonton, Toronto, Hamilton, Toronto, and Montreal. Who are the fantasy stars in this one? Mike Riley had to be the highest scoring quarterback Mm -hmm. of the week. He was at 30.5, 286 yards, like we said, two touchdowns, two picks. Added 31 uh, rushing yards. Lamar Durant had 18.7 with his touchdown. Brian Burnham, quiet day, 9 of 11, uh, 95 yards, 18.5 points. John Jennings, 9.3. Great for my starting lineup. We won't talk about that. (laughs) Uh, And Dominique Rimes, you know, 16.3, didn't have a touchdown. Neither did Moses Madu, but still racked up 13.7. So is this the first week all season where Mike Riley was the highest scoring QB? It very well could be. Which is crazy to and, say. <laughs> and hey, look at it. This is the first time all year that BC hasn't allowed a sack. They win the game and Mike Riley scores 30 fantasy points. Coincidence? No, not at all. Okay. I, di- I didn't think so either. I just wanted to make sure we were on the same page. You know, this is why... I know you've been, I know you've been working like mornings and your head's not like right. <laughs> so I just want to make sure that you weren't losing it. This is why guys like Riley, Vernon Adams, and Cody Fajardo are very valuable in fantasy because oh, they carry oh, the so ball. So you just named the top three quarterbacks from the week. Oh, <laughs> but they, they carry the ball at the goal line. <laughs> So if they don't have the best day through the air, and a lot of these guys get rushing touchdowns inside the five, mm -hmm. that changes their day. It's a way to salvage your fantasy score for sure. Because if Riley doesn't have the two rushing touchdowns, we're not even talking about it. No, if he doesn't have those two rushing touchdowns, it's an 18-point day, and he's not even in the top three. Uh, although I would have liked to Rutley to have those touchdowns because he was in my lineup, but <laughs> yeah, I I much preferred Riley having those touchdowns than yeah. Rutley. In the end, it didn't matter. But <laughs> oh man, I I liked the day from uh, Javon Katoy had himself a nice thirty yard catch, mm-hmm. sixty eight yards on the game. I think the biggest of the season. But I thought this season, well, I think a lot thought a lot about the Lions heading into the year was going to be sort of maybe the chance for Shaq Johnson to break out and it just hasn't happened uh he had one target nothing going on for him we'll see Mm -hmm. what happens with him next season and I do want to mention for the second time this season Ottawa well a team fakes a punt they botch oh. the the eligibility card at the beginning of the game, and that that beautiful fake was just washed out. I don't know which coach to blame because I would assume it's the head coach that writes that. Uh, but if you're not going to communicate with your special teams coach as to 
your fakes on special teams, uh, it's kind of yeah. It's probably just Rick Campbell's fault. He's the head coach, and it's going to fall on him. Uh, you know, who, who's special teams there? Is it Bob Dice still? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, Dice they Campbell knows they have this play. They know they have Goslin in the lineup. Campbell knows that he's written him down on the card, so he's ineligible. And instead of, you know, telling Dice this, they don't do anything. And since we've started this like, podcast, I don't remember this ever happening, and now it's happened twice in a season. <laughs> there's, there's stuff that's happened this year that we didn't even know was possible. Oh, that's true. Like, these refs, they are getting their exams on yeah. the Canadian Football League rulebook, and it's, like, it's did complicated. We, did we even know that the card was a thing? I, I feel like there was, a, there was an era, I think, about five or six years ago, when just about before every play, there was an offensive lineman reporting eligible uh, to be a receiver on the play, and they would announce it every single mm-hmm. every single play. But that sort of went away. Maybe they just stopped announcing it. But this card thing, I don't know if it's new, but it it never. I've ne- I don't remember this ever being an issue. No, and it it. It's just something that popped up, and you go, oh, that's a rule. And then, of course, when it happens again, it's just more magnified because now you know about it. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, it's hilarious. I don't though. know how the officials keep all this stuff straight, to be honest. Oh, <laughs> man, it's it's ridiculous. But yet but yet, they can't call an offensive face mask Oh, yeah. on anybody ever. Yeah. Uh, we won't get into that. Sean Lemon gets two sacks, so the D-line <laughs> looks like they're rejuvenated but Odell Willis mm-hmm. does not have a sack in a long time he's stuck at 99 is he going to get to 100 I think with Lemon there that's going to open up opportunity for him uh, but he just doesn't seem to be the same Odell Willis we've seen no, in years past no and Lemon lining off offside shame on you man shame on you oh. <laughs> you know I get it it's the ball wasn't exactly at a yard line. It was. He's not at yeah. the goal lines. He's he's not at the goal line, so I'm not going to cut him. Okay, you're not you're going to keep him around for one more week. One more week. Yeah. <laughs> he does it again though. Cut. I'm like Homer. I'm like Homer when he's coaching the football team. Yeah. And takes over for Flanders. Just cuts everybody. We had a doubleheader on Saturday, and it started with the Calgary Stampeders beating the Hamilton Tiger Cats 19-18. I know it was a loss for Hamilton, mm-hmm. but a lot of people have criticized that team and their record, saying they've basically gotten lucky to this point. I think this shows that the Ticats are the real deal. I think so. Uh, you know, Dane Evans still throws the pick, and so we know that Calgary's defense is still Calgary's defense. They only get three points off that turnover, but Hamilton and every other aspect just seem to be able to stick with Calgary. Oh yeah, right, and that's not something we expected with Dane Evans under center. You know what I love about Dane Evans is that he was an American guy, knew about the CFL, kind of followed the CFL. They interviewed his dad in the third quarter, and they love to be in the CFL. Not very often do we see that 
with mm-hmm. a- American guys that are just such big football fans that they'll consume anything that they can get their hands on. And he was at the game. They're going to stay out west. I-, I assume they're probably, you know, in Banff, Lake Louise right now, having a good time before they head head to Edmonton. But Dane Evans is a guy I can get behind. I'm a fan of him. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, big shoes to fill for Jeremiah Masoli steps in, take, takes over that team, and you, can, you feel like it's his team. And I know Brandon Banks is, is still there, and he's a big personality and a big part of that offense, but it just seems that Dane Evans uh, has taken the reins of that offense and, and is starting to run with it. Uh, nine and three on the year after this loss. So the cats are doing okay. And look at that. The Calgary Stampeders back into a home playoff game. They're eight and four mm-hmm. Saskatchewan, eight and four after this week, Winnipeg at nine and three. So this, this whole, <laughs> whole season has been, uh, crazy, but Calgary back to where we thought they would be. Um, and it didn't take them long. This game could have gotten away from Calgary really mm-hmm. early on, but the Ticats couldn't really take advantage and finish off drives. So the defense really kept the Stampeders close so Bo could get it together in the fourth <coughs> quarter and win the game. But mm-hmm. usually Bo looks like he does well under pressure. It looked like he was hearing footsteps from the Ticats D-line all night. He was off target. This is a game where I thought he looked rusty, like a quarterback that had missed six games. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, 24 of 40, just over uh, 50%. Yeah. Uh, 342 yards still with a touchdown. You know, on paper, looks like a pretty decent day, but, like, yeah, he just seemed unsettled uh, a lot of that game with, with that D-line. So I had to I had to change my fantasy lineup around, and I got Josh Huff in my flex spot, who had four catches for thirty six yards. He also added some mm-hmm. uh, uh, return yards as well. But if Bo was on target to Josh Huff, mm-hmm. he could have had twenty twenty five points on the day. Nine targets, only had four catches. Of course, he's in the lineup because Markeith Ambles is uh, is banged up right now. But that's just another one of those guys. Josh Huff comes into the game, and I know he didn't have the biggest game. He could have, but yeah. <laughs> there's another contributor in that Calgary Stampede receiving core. Isn't that exactly what the rest of the league wants, is just you know, Calgary <laughs> to keep finding guys and plugging them into I the lineup? I know, I know. <laughs> <sighs> it doesn't stop. Reggie Bagleton has another 100-yard game. He's the first receiver in the CFL. Well, him and Brandon Banks are neck and neck here. They both get to 1,000 yards in this game, I believe. Uh, Reggie had 6 of 9 for 106 yards, but Eric Rogers was the star in this one. It's been a while Mm -hmm. since he was the leading receiver for the Stampeders, which is kind of crazy to think about, but 8 catches, 129 yards, and a touchdown. Oh, he would have had another one as well if it weren't for a penalty taking a score off the board earlier in the game. Yeah. You know, just an absolute monster of a game. Oh, yeah. And it's been a while since we, we've we've seen that. And, I mean, we see with Calgary's offense where Bo Levi Mitchell can basically just pick a guy week yeah. every week, a, a different guy, uh, and they can build, a, build an offensive scheme around him. And this week, you know, and they had two receivers over 100 yards, and they were both targeted like 11 yeah. and 9 <laughs> times. So, I mean, spread the ball between just two of them. 
really. Yeah. I mean, Huff, yeah, targeted nine times. He only had the four catches. But, uh, you know, the, the two big dogs uh, came out, and Eric Rodgers uh, with, with the TD just puts him over the top for fantasy. Before this game, I kind of said that I wanted to avoid the running back situation here, and I'm glad I did because Kadeem Carey, mm-hmm. he only had nine carries. Jackson Bennett was listed as the starter. He only got three. Anthony Coombs comes in, has seven carries, but Bennett was able to add two catches on top of that, and Carey was able to add three catches on top of that. I think it would put the Ticats over the top if they could really establish the run, which they haven't been able to do since Mm -hmm. Sean Thomas Erlington got hurt. No, and that shows just how big of a part of the offense that uh, Sean Thomas Erlington was and and is, uh, you know, they're trying to do it by committee, it seems, and it's just not working. And uh, when, when they don't, when you can't establish the run, it just gives the the defense a chance to pin their ears back and get after Dane Evans. Uh, Braylon Addison continues to just have a great mm-hmm. chemistry with Dane Evans. Eight catches on nine targets for 114. Brandon Banks has his return to uh, putting up yards and making plays, eight catches for 105 yards, uh, add the touchdown as well. They were using Brandon Banks as it looked like just crossing patterns nonstop, getting the ball really close to the line of scrimmage. They had a bunch of routes Mm -hmm. running deep, and it's like the Stampeders just sort of forgot that Banks was there, and he got into space and made plays happen. This is what they need to do with Banks, and I thought they used him great. High percentage plays, get the ball in the hands of your playmakers and let him make people miss. And, that, and you know, those crossing routes, if you're going to play man coverage, they're so hard to cover uh, with a guy running across the field. There's lots of bodies in the way. That opens up a lot of opportunity for a guy like Brandon Banks. So the Ticats had themselves a lead at halftime, and then after halftime, the Calgary Stampeder defense took over before Bo led the team on a game-winning mm-hmm. drive in the fourth quarter. The turnovers uh, that uh, the Ticats had here, it really cost them the game. There was a Dane Evans fumble, I believe a Brandon Banks fumble. Those were the difference here. If they protected the ball any better, if they had a reliable mm-hmm. running game, they probably would have been able to protect mm-hmm. the ball uh, better it was it was not it, it cost them the game yeah you have to i don't want to blame clock management it, it's hard when you can't establish to run to manage yeah, the clock yeah uh, you know because incomplete pass to stop the clock and, and stuff like that you need to keep the clock running especially with the lead and you have to protect the football that's what it comes down to and, and hamilton did not do that in the second half the star of the game here was trey roberson And we've Mm -hmm. said his name a lot. He had an interception here. He had five tackles. But the biggest play came in the fourth quarter. Like, I don't don't get it. (laughs) When he blocked that field goal from Liram Hiralahu to basically seal the win for the Stampeders. And it wasn't like he came around the corner or broke through the line and blocked that kick at point blank. He was two feet behind the line of scrimmage and got about six feet of vertical to block that kick. No, I'm not I'm not taking anything away from Trey Roberson on this, but 
you know, the longer you are or the further you are out, the lower kick, you kick. Yeah. It has to be it has to be more of a line drive. So I mean, every day was a perfect storm. Uh, you know, and he's just so athletic. He got up and it hit him in the elbow. It's not like it hit him in the I fingertips. Know. It hit him in the elbow. <laughs> so he still had room, uh, which is crazy. And like you said, he was he was a yard or two off the line of scrimmage. So you at, look at it, he's eight or nine yards away from the ball when it's kicked. Yeah, like to get up that high. I know it's a little bit of a lower trajectory of a kick, but holy crap! So here's an interesting thought. We are only about six weeks away from the end of the season, and mm-hmm. I don't know who the MOP is going to be. Not only most outstanding mm. defensive player, I think that's probably well, that's really Jefferson. That's Jefferson and Roberson. But should these guys be considered for? MOP overall because I don't think it's going to be a quarterback. Well, what quarterback can get it? It, it would have been Harris Trevor, six weeks ago. It, it, I think I, I think it still is Harris, just based on you know the totality of the season. But other than that, I'm just talking out of the quarterbacks. I, I really don't know what you would do for an MOP on if you were going to pick an offensive player. Like right now, you could you could make the argument that it's Dan Evans, <laughs> because if if this is August fourth, we're saying it's Trevor Harris, but then mm-hmm. things have changed. <laughs> oh yes, but I mean, if you look at, at the numbers as a whole, he probably still would be the best option as quarterback. But I mean, you look at recent performance, and yeah, no. But I has there ever been a defensive player win MOP? Well, Solomon did it in 2014. Right, Solomon, yeah, in 14. And I mean, he had a monster. Like, so Willie Jefferson could do it. Well, here's here's the thing because, oh, actually, there was a bit of a run there in 2014. Elamimian, 13, Cornish, 2012, Chad Owens, three years in a row without a quarterback winning MOP. Um, mm-hmm. Before Labor Day, I think there was a case for Andrew Harris. But and who was my who was my pick at the start of the year? Andrew Harris. Yes, and now you know he takes PEDs, lies about it, so gets busted. If and now that if he comes back and destroys the CFL for the rest of the year, they can't. He'll be piss tested after every game. But they can't give him the MOP, can they? Why not? Wow, I, I think that would. Oh, talk about the battles if that happened, I think. Yeah, people read too much into it. You know, and I, I know I said, the, yeah, you're, as far as I'm concerned with PEDs, when you get caught, it, I, I don't believe you for a second saying that you took it unknowingly, especially as a pro athlete, because it's happened too many times that I'm surprised when pro athletes don't get busted at this point. There's got to be way so, more doing it, yeah. That's what I think. I'm not. I'm not calling people. I just the way, the way I look at it. The way that these guys, the, the, the play that I can barely play two games of flag football in a week, <laughs> let alone, let alone you know getting beat to hell for three hours on a football field, yeah, and, and bounce back six days later and do it again. Uh, the, the 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 shape these guys are in, the injuries these guys go through, it just seems like it'd be hard not to do it that way. And I've I've always I've always thought we should have a steroid Olympics where all the athletes if they test negative then they're out <laughs> because imagine the numbers and the performances you'd see there. 
a steroid home they do run it with racing you can have well, they do it with racing you can have different different engine sizes and everything let's split oh, yeah, it up for yeah. the olympics too okay so I, <laughs> I can see a receiver getting it um brandon banks i think probably comes out of the east so we're just going to discount everything Braylon Addison's done since St. Evans came in? Wow. So I guess the numbers aren't quite. Yeah. So if you, if you look at the season as a whole, then yeah, it's probably Banks. So Banks isn't quite at 1,000 yards, but he's played 11 games. Uh, Reggie Bagleton mm-hmm. is the only receiver over 1,000 right now. Uh, 1,036 yards in 12 games. Addison is 854. Could, could you... Could you give it to could you could McLeod Bethel Thompson be coming out of the East? I don't know, man. <laughs> he's putting up ridiculous numbers. He's not winning football games, but he's putting up ridiculous numbers. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. The the T D to interception ratio nineteen to eleven. But look at Mike Riley, <laughs> twelve to thirteen. Yeah, what's Mike Riley's T D to sack ratio? Yeah, <laughs> not good. Twelve to forty-five, I think. <laughs> hey, if you're if you're throwing twelve TDs and you've been sacked forty-five times, that's pretty good in my book. <laughs> well, the MOP discussion this year is uh, it's a fascinating one. I I can't wait for our 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 show before the awards because it's going to be heated. I feel the live show. Yeah, I feel like they're like because. There might be some libations, and I, I feel like it could get a little <laughs> off color. <laughs> we will give you the details on Two and Out Live in the coming days. This episode of Two and Out is brought to you by ATB Financial. They actually have a couple podcasts for you to check out, including Perch, the podcast. Uh, the podcast where ATB connects with experts, influencers, and big thinkers who are shaping Alberta. Join host and ATB's Director of Insight, Rob Roach, as he shares the story of our economy through the Albertans who are driving it. Listen and subscribe to Perch, the podcast, and iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. The latest episode actually just came out here on Friday about the the housing market in Alberta and as a homeowner it's really interesting to listen to they've had an episode last week as well on wilting wheat and canola prices but uh check it all out ATB Financial has the podcast called The Perch atb.com slash economics to check that out the final game of the week we had a complete game, game 62 of the season, where the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have a 17-point fourth quarter to beat the Montreal Alouettes 25 or 27 to 25. Wow! Coincidentally, those were that was all they needed last time <laughs> was 17 points to to beat the Alouettes. Would you look at that? <laughs> <laughs> well, would you look at that? You know what? This is a similar. I have a feeling not a lot of people are going to get that reference. <laughs> similar to the Stampeders in the way that the Owls could have put the Riders away in the in the first half, but they didn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. The Rider offense did nothing in the first half until they really woke up. Yeah, that's. 
I, I don't think I could have said it any better myself. Let's be honest, though. It's not like Montreal's offense, it's not like their alarm clocks went off on time either. Uh, yeah. Juan Bray, I don't know what those two punt return attempts were. What an adventure. And I don't know how the Riders didn't get the ball either time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> but Quan Bray had a major drop on uh, as a receiver as well. In the fourth, I don't know how he dropped that. It, he had it in his hands. That that would have probably won the game for the Alouettes. Won them the game, 100%. Wow. Yeah, this game was all over the place. It, I, yeah, especially yeah. without Charleston Hughes on the defensive line for the Riders, they put out their depth mm-hmm. chart, and then four hours later, he's not on it, basically saying he's banged up and just needs needs a rest. So that was... Really interesting because the way it was done is like, okay, well, what happened here? Uh, but I think Micah Johnson had his best game as a rider oh. here. I know one of them, I'm that was offside. I don't know how it didn't get called. The one where he almost took the handoff? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was 100% offside. But other than that, he was in the backfield on every play. Mm-hmm. The guy is a monster. The disruptor. Oh, yeah. If if you watch the game, you know what I'm talking about. No. I don't think Glenn Suter said it enough. He's turning into Rod Black. <laughs> hey, man. Props to the 89 team that the Riders were celebrating uh, the 30th anniversary of that great cup, that great game against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Did you hear the story Suter told about the flight to Toronto? Okay, I did not. Fill me in. So I forget, but they were playing crib. Suter wasn't playing, but he had taken all the fives out of the deck of cards. Yeah. So they played again. They played crib all the way from Regina to Toronto without the fives in the deck, <laughs> and nobody noticed. Nobody noticed. <laughs> like hasn't been a, hasn't been a whole lot of fifteens today. Hey, like does that not come up? <laughs> come on, a lot of these guys are from Sasky. Isn't that like? Into your DNA playing crib. <laughs> well, you, you would that and Kaiser. So once you don't see the five of hearts in an hour, you're like, okay, what's going on? <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Um, but Micah is he's he's not getting the sacks like he did last no. year in Calgary. But th- that I think might have been an anomaly for a defensive tackle to destroy quarterbacks like he did last year Mm -hmm. uh it's a little tough from the inside yeah it's tough to repeat that again but you look at the guys Mm. in hamilton dylan Wynn and teddy laurent they were they were all over the calgary offensive line and uh, micah was doing that to montreal on this one yeah and you know even if you're not getting the sacks being able to disrupt an entire play by getting in the backfield before the running back gets the yeah. ball or is able to find a hole is just as good sometimes. Oh, it really is. Yeah, it, right. And it's like it's like when you're watching a Jays game and Buck Martinez says if there's when there's a guy on second, sometimes a double is better than a home run because you keep the pressure on instead of having the bases empty and they and a restart. Right, the, right. If Michael Johnson's always getting in the backfield, how do you stop that? Yeah, like you have to you have to put extra guys on, which is just going to open up holes for everybody else. It's it's probably helped helped uh, Charleston Hughes have the season he has had so far. Absolutely, which and I'm not taking nothing away from Charleston. Of course, Hughes. he's a hell of an athlete, but I mean, you got to have help. 
yeah, the stats don't measure um, what what Micah does when Charleston no yeah gets gets in the backfield and makes the play. Um, yeah, there's there's some talk on Twitter. People kind of trashing uh, Vernon Adams, saying he's not. I don't get it, man. He he he's brought the Alouettes to where they are. Twenty two of thirty six, three forty four. And a touchdown here. Man, there was a play when AC Leonard got called offside and Adams dodged him and they whistled the play dead. Adams wanted that play so bad. <laughs> yeah, but I you have you have to blow that play dead I when know. a guy's unabated to the quarterback. But I know. Adams wanted that free play and he probably saw something we didn't. Yeah. You know, with camp with the camera angle and everything. But uh if you think that Vernon Adams isn't a good quarterback or isn't, you know, good enough to play in this league, then you're obviously what you don't know what you're watching. Man, he might be Montreal, well, he will be Montreal's MOP. He might 100%. He might be a finalist in the East. He very well could he be. He probably is. And, and I I was afraid to say his name because it's Montreal and you know how I feel about <laughs> the Owls still that, uh, uh... <laughs> after 09 and 2010. But I'm starting to come around uh, with my boy Taylor Loffley, even though he's uh, on the sixth game. <laughs> uh, Chris Matthews has his first game as an Al. He only has the one catch mm-hmm. for 42 yards, which, I mean, Adams had the ball there for about 12 seconds before finding uh, Chris yeah. Matthews. How do you only there? get 42 yards out of 12 <laughs> seconds? Like, how slow is your 40? <laughs> But Eugene Lewis is a guy that I think everybody needs to get to know. Mm-hmm. BJ Cunningham, since getting hurt, Eugene has stepped up and become one yep. of the best receivers in the league. Eight of twelve for one thirty. That touchdown catch was, uh, you know, it was tremendous. I, I'm running out of superlatives for it every time <laughs> I try to think of a new one. I just go blank. Uh, you know, to go up and get a ball like that, uh, and and basically snatch it out of the defender's hands, almost. Uh, and like you said, yeah, once B.J. Cunningham goes down, Eugene Lewis stepped up and he's the, playing that number one role. And I mean, you still have Devere Posey, you still have Quan Bray, now you have Chris Matthews. Like, there's a lot of options uh, for Vernon Adams Jr. in that receiving core, uh, and Eugene has really stepped up and embraced that number one role. The Owls controlled much of the play; they had the ball for over 33 minutes. Uh, but mm-hmm. William Stanback, he had 12 carries, 57 yards. The Riders were able to keep him in check. He did have a touchdown there. But then they give the ball to William Powell, Saskatchewan does, and was able to beat up the Alouette defense. 15 carries for 94 yards, had a touchdown, added three catches for 30 yards, and a touchdown there. He's a touchdown machine right now for the Riders. Yeah, I, I don't know how else you uh, describe it, really. He's got a nose for the end zone right now, and, and you got to keep going to the hot hand. That makes me confused why they only gave him the ball four times last week in the Banjo Bowl, five times um, in Labor Day as well. So <laughs> I, I, maybe they're trying to keep him fresh. And if they are doing that, that's, that's genius, but... They need if they're doing that and it's not costing them games, then all the power to them. Yeah, that's true. It, it was actually his first receiving touchdown of the year, and he's got yep. ten 
rushing touchdowns. So he's he's just a monster. Yeah, he's having an unreal year. Uh, like, like I said, his first receiving touchdown. He hasn't been a huge threat out of the backfield uh, for the most part. Like <clears throat> the four the four carries, but this week he comes in with fifteen, and they kind of set up the offense. Uh, around him, like they they were able to establish the run a little bit. He averaged six point three yards, and it just opens everything else up uh, for Fajardo, whether it be downfield or you know able to find those little swing passes because the defense is so focused on Powell. Uh, Shaq Johnson or Shaq Evans, sorry, got absolutely crushed in the fourth quarter. I mm-hmm. I don't know how he got up from that. Uh, Reggie Bagleton actually took a nasty headshot as well. These guys were still playing through it, but the leading receiver for the Riders, three catches for 79 yards, it just wasn't happening in the air. But fantasy-wise, Fajardo ended ended up having himself a nice game, and it's all because, again, of that rushing touchdown he had. Yeah, 19-27 for 254 yards and a touchdown. Not, not the sexiest stats you've ever seen, but... 29 yards on six carries for another touchdown on the ground, you know, gets him 25.1, second highest scoring quarterback of the week. Uh, you know, their second and third highest quarterbacks this week were in this game. Uh, they they put on a pretty decent show with a 27-25 game, uh, but, you know, that, that touchdown on the ground from Fajardo uh, really salvaged his fantasy week for sure. Yeah, he, he just stays cool under pressure, down in the fourth quarter, whatever he needs to do. He 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 stays cool and brings the team back, and the Riders get a big win here, keeping pace with the Calgary Stampeders. So when those two teams play at McMahon Stadium in a few weeks, and actually the Bombers and Riders still play in a couple weeks as well, mm-hmm. <laughs> the next six weeks in the West <laughs> to decide the top three spots are going to be a ton of fun, man. And I, I, I think... The top, th- I think it's just going to be the order. I think the top three is pretty much done. I, I, I think so. I know Edmonton. I know Edmonton can still catch up, but I mean the way Edmonton's been playing lately, I just, I don't have a lot of faith. Other than the fact that those three top teams could beat the hell out of each other, and that could just open the door for Edmonton. <laughs> now we've talked about MOP. Could mm-hmm. could Kahari Jones be coach of the year, even if they don't get to the Grey Cup? Well, isn't Coach of the Year a regular season award? It it always ends up being the two in the Grey Cup. I mean, and I get I get why, but who else deserves it? You wouldn't give it to um, Orlando Steinauer. I, I think I would still take Kahari over him just because I I don't know if the award givers look at it, but the circumstances to start the season. Were... Yes, that is true. But I mean, I mean, you look you look at Corey Chamberlain and his use of challenges has been so unprecedented yeah. and so unusual that I think he'd be in the running. Hey, just, and... you know, starting a new trend. Devon Claybrooks and his success with challenges that might be something to look at. Hey, yeah, now, now we're talking. <laughs> Who are the fantasy monsters in this one? Uh, like we talked about Mike Riley at 30.5, Cody Fajardo over an Adams around out the top three, uh, William Powell and William Stanback. So we had the number two and number three quarterback and the number one and number two running back in the Saskatchewan-Montreal uh, game. Wow, okay. 
and the and the number two receiver. Wow. So I mean, th- this that game was packed full of fantasy performance. Uh, Brandon Banks with twenty seven, Eugene Lewis with twenty seven, Eric Rogers twenty six point nine, Braylon Addison twenty two point eight, and Lamar Durant at eighteen point seven. And <laughs> were the Lions the top performing defense? I took them. They were thirty two hundred. 15 points against Ottawa. Yeah. I got one point from my defense. You really don't want to talk about the Canadian Football Podcast Network Fantasy Challenge, do you? No, because I I lost by 40. (laughs) And I have all the cheat sheets. (laughs) Here's the fascinating thing about my lineup. I was actually the highest scoring uh, CFL Canadian Football Podcast Network Fantasy Challenge guy this week. Uh, 105.8. I had no touchdowns from anyone other than my quarterback. (laughs) It was just usage and luck. Uh, Moses Madu, he outscores Brandon Rutley because he had the six catches again. Uh, Reggie Bagleton, six catches. Quan Bray, Four for 73, 86 return yards. It could have been a lot bigger for Quan Bray. Josh Hopf had mm-hmm. four for 36, some return yards. You're just lucky you don't get docked points for fumbles. Oh, yeah, no kidding. Uh, I just, uh, it was one of those weeks where everybody just performed solid. Nobody performed great. And uh, they all ended up in one lineup, and I, I did okay. And I, Speaking of nobody performing great, let's take a look at my lineup, <laughs> shall we? Let's do it. Oh, man. So Jonathan Jennings, <laughs> William Stanback, pretty decent day, has a touchdown. Moses Madu, nope. Bagleton, no touchdown, pretty decent day. Katoy, okay. Nate Bahar, thanks but no thanks. And the Alouettes defense with one freaking point. <laughs> and, like, like, I took Jennings because I really wanted Bagleton and, and Stanback in my lineup. Yeah. And I and Moses Madu getting the starter. Then I, I had to go with $2,500 receiver and flex positions because uh, Jennings was the cheapest quarter starting quarterback I, I could get. Wow. So I, I just basically screwed myself by being stubborn. <laughs> it was an interesting week with only three games. I, I think you'll rebound this week. I got Andrew from uh, the Eskimo Empire podcast coming up. And who do you have? Do you know? Uh, I have not looked, but I assume I'm going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're just a ray of positivity in my day, buddy. Oh, don't don't worry. I uh, last night took a case of OV to a party, and people just assumed I was from Ontario. So and I just, was just instantly mad for the rest of the That's night. That's the worst day ever, buddy. <laughs> but I didn't have. To, but hey, didn't have to share my beer. <laughs> nice. We'll be back on. <laughs> Hey, that's that's a really underrated like move. Yes, of going to a party and making sure that nobody wants what you're drinking. So that's really become why I like Pilsner so much. I never have anybody. Well, you would you would like OV if you like pill. Okay. Well, I'm not picky. Um, you know that. <laughs> No, you'll just drink whatever's on special. <laughs> exactly. Those $5 Hudson <laughs> specials. Oh. But, like, somebody shows up to a party with Coors Light and somebody runs out of beer. 
then they're going to be Mooch and Bud or Coors Light or Bud Light or whatever that person brings. Yeah. But if you bring Alexander Keith's or OV and somebody runs out of beer, they're like, I think I'm just going to go home. Perfect. Perfect. Right? I only drank five of them. I gave one away oh. just because Tanner had never had one before. But I'm like, yeah, I'm done. I'm leaving this here. <laughs> you guys can deal with it. As we wrap up this episode, thank you to another one of our sponsors, Alberta Health Services, which has an important message to pass on, on to you. We ask these children if they know when to go to emergency and when there are other options. If, like, your heart stopped beating, if you were really sick, if you were super-duper hurt, you'd come. They're there to treat people that are really sick or really hurt and they need attention right away. If you have an emergency, we're here to help. If it's not an emergency, you have options. Take control of your health. Call 811 or visit ahs.ca slash options. Also, if you're looking to go to any CFL games for week 15, seatgiant.ca. Use the promo code APN. You're going to save yourself 5%. You're going to support the Alberta Podcast Network in the process as well. Seatgiant.ca. Canadian owned and operated. All the tickets there are listed in Canadian dollars. No crazy surprises when you're done buying all your tickets. What you see is what you pay, and you'll save with the promo code APN at checkout. You'll support the Alberta Podcast Network in the process as well. they got concerts there, comedy shows, football games, NHL games uh, the cfl this week coming up in week 15 it's a good one calgary toronto hamilton edmonton winnipeg montreal and bc ottawa with the riders on by rate review subscribe to to it out on any of your favorite podcatchers whether it be itunes uh, apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify stitcher we're all over the place so Leave us a rating and a review, and you could be read on the show. Have a good couple days. We'll talk to you Thursday morning. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.